Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest edition of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We were off last week, but I'm coming to you twice this week to make up for it. Today, we're going to get a bit into Oregon's move to the Big Ten. That happened a couple of weeks ago now, but um, I'm yet to really offer my thoughts, at least on the podcast. I've written a ton about it on uh, on ducksWire.usatoday.com. But more importantly, we're going to dive deeper into a fascinating idea, I think, that could potentially reshape the college football landscape and make all this much more sensible for everyone going forward. So, um, I also want to touch on some Oregon fall camp updates after the first week and see where we're at going forward. Um, give a few of my uh, notes from interviews and from watching practice over the last week. So that's all ahead. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. I hope you all are staying cool up here in the Pacific Northwest, wherever you're listening. Um, It's currently, my watch says it's about 102 degrees in Eugene when I record this on Monday afternoon. So while we huddle inside uh, next to our nearest air conditioning units, the Ducks are actually out braving the heat uh, in the second week of fall practice. So um, they're they're trying hard to use these triple-digit temperatures ahead of the September trip to Lubbock to face Texas Tech. So um, I commend them on all of that. It does not sound like the way I'd rather be spending my Monday afternoon, but you know that's something that they got to do. I asked Landing about. Uh, we talked to Dan on the on Saturday. I asked him about the balance between you know trying to get used to the heat, but also trying to keep these players safe. Um, you know, he said that there's so many rules and regulations in place around how much they can practice when they can practice uh, in temperatures like this, that, you know, player safety is always the number one factor and always the thing that they're focusing on the most. But um, regardless, the team is out there uh, doing afternoon practices for they have for the past week. Uh, they will for, I think, another week, another week, and then they'll uh, go back to, to morning practices. But, um, you know, they're they're trying hard to embrace this opportunity and uh you know take on this heat and try and get better for it because when they go to to lubbock in september i can guarantee you it's probably not going to be a nice cool pacific northwest morning around 60 70 degrees it's going to be hot it's going to be played in the evening i think that game is at five five o'clock local um that's off the top of my head i'm pretty sure that's what it is so it's gonna be an evening game it's gonna be hot it's gonna be loud it's gonna be a crazy environment and so they're they're really trying to take advantage of this heat and and be better for it going forward. Let's touch on some training camp updates, um, some notes real quick before we get into the overarching college football and conference realignment news. Um, these are just some notes that I had jotted down from the past few weeks of practice and, and interviews that we've gotten with coaches and players. Um, we first off, I should say we haven't been able to see a ton. I mean, we've we've watched three practices at this point, and just like last year, we saw stretching, special teams, and some brief individual period work. So, um, you know, there's there's not a ton to report so far. We've got some injuries, a couple of, or at least one addition, and then just some some notes from interviews with players and coaches afterwards. The biggest addition, though, is by far Makai Williams. Um, he is an all-American 
track star for the Ducks. He is just an incredible, incredible athlete on the track. He's the, um, you know, he's got a 9.91 personal record for the 100 meter. He was on the U.S. Olympic 4x100 team last year as an alternate. Um, so yeah, he was he was added to the roster last week as a walk-on wide receiver, which I think is just really entertaining. Um, how much does it actually mean? You know, I don't, I don't really know. We will see if he ever gets playing time or or any type of opportunity. But you love to see a track athlete on the field. Oregon has a long history of you know getting getting players from other sports, whether it's Johnny Lloyd, the basketball player, playing football a little bit. Um, I believe. I believe Eric Armstead played basketball for a little bit too. Um, it's just one of those things. There's some crossover that Bryce Betcher plays baseball as well. There's a little bit of crossover, which you, you love to see um, these athletes, you know, in their off season, still being a part of the university, being part of the school and, you know, honestly staying in shape as well, which I think is really cool. So um, this feels a little bit more like the Johnny Lloyd situation back in 2014, uh, he ended up having four catches for 19 yards and one touchdown. Um, I'm not sure if Makai is going to get that type of work or that much of an opportunity. Right now, it seems like he's kind of been brought in to be a little... He's been working at punt return, really, uh, from what we've seen in practice so far. So who knows if he's getting a ton of looks uh, on offense at a wide receiver position. The Ducks are obviously incredibly stacked at that position, so I don't know that... Um, Let's just say there's a lot of mouths to feed ahead of him. I know that he's going to have to work really hard and, and probably show something to um, to get on the field and get some opportunities. But with the type of speed that he brings, I think that Will Stein and, and Dan Lanning in the offense, they can really scheme up some things, whether it's some jet sweeps or into rounds or screen passes out to him on the side and just let him run. Um, I think that could be fun. So, you know, this is a feeling where I don't think that he's going to be out there in the big moments of the big games. I think that, you know, you may save him for uh, the fourth quarter against Portland State or some blowout games against Hawaii or maybe Stanford or, or Colorado, something like that. But um, with him on the roster, with him with him playing football now, I think that it could be could be pretty entertaining. We'll likely see a little bit of him this year. One of the other more notable things that we've been able to see so far this fall uh, through a couple of weeks of practice is that there are a few guys who have been uh, missing for a few practices. Actually, more recently, rather, they were here at the start of the season, start of fall camp, but they've been missing the past few times we've tried to see them. Uh, defensive lineman Popo Amavai, defensive lineman Keon Ware Hudson, and wide receiver Justice Lowe have all been missing for the last few practices. I'm not really sure how serious it is or if it's injury or roster move related uh, in Justice Lowe's case. We'll talk about that in a second. But I think of those three, uh, Popo is by far the most impactful uh, absence if it continues to be an absence. Uh, we talked to Dan Lanning on Saturday after Oregon's first scrimmage of the year that was closed to media members, but he said that Popo did you know, get a little bit of work in and he was able to play a little bit. So that gives you a lot of hope that he's – uh, not severely banged up or injured, and he should be able to play this year. Lanning also said that, you know, Keon and Justice were not out there not playing. So, again, we don't know if that is injury-related. We don't know if it's uh, roster-related. The Ducks are, I believe, currently won over the scholarship count. Um, the scholarship math gets a little funky, and now they're they're dealing with uh, a couple late additions with, with Gary Bryant and Nishad Struther. Uh, also, Makai Williams, I don't know what's confusing whether, I mean, he's a walk-on right now. He's a scholarship for track athletes. So 
Um, if he ends up playing in the in the season, does he have to be a does that scholarship get transferred to the football team? I'm not sure. It's all a little bit jumbled. So um, in the case of Justice Lowe, you know, if you're looking at potential roster cuts, um, effective roster cuts, he is kind of on the list of, of on the short list, I guess, because that wide receiver position is incredibly deep. And there are a long list of pass catchers ahead of him that, you know, the the Ducks would probably choose to keep over justice. So um, that'd be, you know, if that is the case, which I'm not saying it is at all, we we really don't have much information, but that'd be a little bit disappointing because I, I like what we've seen from him. I loved what we saw from him in the spring game. He showed a lot of promise. I noticed that he bulked up quite a bit this offseason as well. So um, I'll be very curious to see going forward. Um, if he comes back to practice, same with Keon Ware Hudson, cause he's a good defensive piece, but, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to try and, and get a, get a beat on these guys going forward. There's not much else to note about fall practices so far. Um, you know, the ducks are being very restrictive as they always have. Um, it feels like they're being maybe a little bit more restrictive than they have been in the past, but, um, you know, you can't exactly fault them in that we can be greedy and wish we got more access but if i was in dan landing's position or any of the coaches positions i wouldn't want reporters watching my practices or or seeing all the ins and outs of our teams either because it really just does not give them an advantage in any in any way so we can complain all we want and wish that we had better access but in the end i really i understand it and it, it makes sense to me um, the best thing we've gotten throughout fall camp so far is these interviews we've had a chance to talk to some really good guys uh, really good players. We've got Kyler Casper, Devin Jackson, Johnny Cornelius, Casey Rogers, Will Stein, many others. Um, later this afternoon, I'm recording this on Monday. We got Nico Reed, Gary Bryant, Demetrius Martin coming for interviews in a couple of hours. So uh, head over to ducksWire.usatoday.com for all of that content to um, get some quotes from those guys and hear what they've been saying. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to present you with the best idea that I've seen in recent months that would save the future of college football. All right, we've got the appetizer out of the way. Uh, now it's time for the entree. Now it's time for the main event. Uh, it is no secret that the way college football is operating right now does not work. I think between NIL, uh, the transfer portal, and conference realignment over the past month or so, the NCAA has allowed college football to come dangerously close to becoming the minor leagues for the NFL over the past decade, which, you know, that that wouldn't really be a problem if they actually acknowledged that these players are professional athletes rather than trying to maintain their amateur status and treat them as student athletes. You know, if they actually leaned into the idea of this being a minor league system for the NFL, like the G league is for the NBA, then I think you could actually have a really, really good product. And, you know, the framework is there for this to be in a really encouraging and exciting league, but you know, they're trying to play the, the both sides of that coin, and they're they're really getting stuck in the middle right now, and it's it's ending up in a lot of you know red tape and kind of frustration from a lot of sides. You have conference realignment tearing a sport apart. It seems also the major revenue sports like football and basketball can draw more eyeballs. Uh, I've been very vocal in the past about how bad this is for non-revenue sports. I mean, you look at the players on the softball team or the volleyball team or track and field or tennis or golf. Uh, it, they they really get screwed in this because those are 
players and and teams, student athletes that they travel more than once a week to play their games. And now we're asking them in Oregon's case to no longer travel just on the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest to play those in-conference games, but to go across the country, to go to New Jersey, to go to Maryland, uh, just to play these type of games. So there simply has to be a different way to go about all of this. I'm obviously not alone in thinking about this and, and wishing that they would be a little bit different. Last week, former Oregon head coach Chip Kelly came out and shined a light on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who arguably have this figured out by the way that they're doing this. Uh, if you don't know, Notre Dame plays their college football games as an independent school, so they are not part of any conference. They don't belong to the the Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC. They kind of just they create their schedule how they want it, and they play big you know, marquee games throughout the season. They've got their own deal with NBC. Um, they're not tied to, to any conference at all. So, um, but outside of football and most other sports like basketball, they're part of the ACC. So their basketball team stays in the ACC playing, you know, Duke, North Carolina, uh, Miami, Florida state, all of those teams. So, um, but in football, they're, they're separate from everything else. So why can't every college do this? Why can't the Ducks in USC, for example, be part of the Big Ten in football, competing with Ohio State and Michigan State and uh, and Michigan and Penn State, all those marquee schools, but still remain in the Pac-12 for every other sport? I mean, this would keep regionality and rivalries going in every sport but football, and you still get those chances with non-conference games to schedule those rivals against Oregon State still. And it also makes life a lot easier on players, families, fans, etc. I mean, no longer are you asking everyone to travel cross country to see your kids play games or to play the games yourselves. Now you kind of keep that regionality. You can still be part of the Pac-12. You can still stay on the West Coast and everything but football and those non-revenue sports. One thing this also allows is for all of us to finally acknowledge that, you know, college football is treated differently at this level. And it's, you know, we've, I think fans have, have largely acknowledged this. Um, but I think that, you know, the people in charge and the, the, you know, media markets, I guess the, the TV providers, they also need to acknowledge this. It would turn, it would turn college football into a minor league system of the NFL, which I think is, I think is great. It's, that's kind of what it is right now. It just, makes it a little bit more worthwhile for the players to get paid while in college. I know that a lot of them are getting paid right now because of NIL deals and they're, they're getting benefits from it right now, but this just kind of, it's just being honest about it. It's no longer, you know, keeping up facades or telling lies about these kids are being student athletes. They're being athletes. And uh, this is just, it's, it would feel really good. I think to be honest about all of that. Um, I love that idea and I hope it happens. I hope that you, you get this branching away of football into bigger conferences and every other sport into their original regional conferences. I think that do a, uh, do a big service to a lot of the, the athletes and the fans and the schools in the nation while also, you know, it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too. You know, we can, we can get these big football conferences, these marquee games. We can have that, but we can also have the regionality that, um, you know, smaller, smaller conferences gives us. This next part is where things get a little extreme, but I am a huge, huge fan of this coming idea. The idea is introducing relegation into the world of college football. Much like in European soccer, you would have a handful of different leagues throughout college football, 
and they'd be tiered from the best of the best in the Premier League on down through the Champions League, League One, League Two, and so on. So based on how your team finishes each year amongst the 16 teams, 20 teams in your league, you can either move up or move down throughout the leagues. If you're in the Premier League, but you finish outside of the top 12, then you get relegated down to the Champions League. And that next season, you have a chance to try and win the Champions League and move back up. If you're in the Champions League and you either win it or you make the final four of the playoffs, then you move up to the Premier League. That's kind of the the idea behind relegation. So in practice, it's a great idea, but it seems to be, you know, kind of a logistical nightmare just to get started at least. Um, last week I saw on Twitter though, that an account uh, called projection sports, they did a lot of the legwork and they kind of laid out what the system would look like. And all I've got to say is that I'm, I am all in, I'm completely in. I hope this is what we do going into the future. Um, you know, this is all assuming that you break college football away from the rest of the other sports and you say, all right, everyone in college football can go into these premier leagues, champion leagues, this type of relegation system, everything else would go back to the way it was, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, you pick a time, you pick where teams go, you pick which conferences are still alive. Um, This is all assuming that happens. Let's take a closer look at simply the top two leagues, just to get a better idea of it all. Um, for starters, you've got the Premier League, which would be the the best league of the best. I mean, if you win the Premier League, you are the best team in the nation, uh, hands down, no argument. So uh, based on the, the final rankings from last year, this is who would be in the Premier League, the 16 teams. You have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Penn State, Oregon, Texas, Utah, Clemson, LSU, Florida State, Kansas State, USC, TCU, and Notre Dame. So those are 16 teams that would be a part of the Premier League for the first year in this practice. And they would you play you know a regular season against yourself, against everyone in your league. I think you probably have eight league games, four non-conference games. Um, I believe that would work. And at the end, you'd have a 12-team playoff. Um, you know, the, the top, well, I guess that if you make the playoff, you're pretty much good. You've got a spot in the premier league once again. However, if you miss the playoff, if you're one of those four teams that does not make the 12 team playoff, you get relegated to the champions league. And so going off the rankings from last year, this would be the champions league. Ole Miss, Washington, Mississippi state, Oregon state, Minnesota, UCLA, Oklahoma, Louisville, Baylor, Tulane, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Iowa, Texas A&M, Maryland, and Florida. Uh, That's more than 16 teams. I I don't know how many of it is right there. But again, they would play amongst each other throughout their season. I think eight league games, four non-conference games, that can be adjusted as well for whatever the scheduling needs it to work out as. But then you try and make it to that 12-team playoff. If you don't make the playoff, you move down. If you make the playoff in the Champions League and you finish maybe in the top four, I don't know what the cutoff would be, but if you finish in the top four of the Champions League, you're still playing for that Champions League title. That's still something important. It's you know it's a piece of hardware. It's kind of like a bowl game, I guess. But if you're in that top four, you relegate it up to the the or, yeah the Premier League the next year. So then you replace those those four teams in the Champions League. They replace the four teams that got relegated down from the Premier League. Um, you know, I think that it's it's a really fascinating idea. I know that European soccer does this throughout the Champions League, Premier League. It's it's a time honored tradition. I mean, I I know that fans love it there. 
Obviously, fans of the team that get relegated don't love it, but they've got a chance to earn their keep the next year and get back up to the Premier League. There are a lot of pros and cons to this, obviously. Um, I don't have all of them. I'm sure there's a lot more than what I thought of, but this is just kind of what I had off the top of my head. Uh, Let's start with the pros. This saves regionality for other sports. I obviously already mentioned that, but this would really solidify the fact that we can move football away from the rest of the other sports and just be honest about, you know, that it's it's not a part of college athletics, that these are not student athletes, that these are semi-professional players who were were grooming for professional status in the NFL. Um, I think the sooner we can all admit that and be honest about that, we'd be a lot better off. The second thing is that it gives us great matchups between elite teams, and it also offers more competitive matchups among teams. I mean, no longer are you getting playoff games against, you know, Michigan, UCLA, which would be a a mismatch on the field, but you get playoff games against teams that really deserve to be playing against each other. And then you also get playoff games against, I mean, the playoff for the Champions League, which would be the second league, those would still be fascinating. You know, it's not like you get Tulane going up against USC, which I know Tulane beat USC last year, but um, you don't have these these small teams going against the big dogs uh, like you have in the past. You get, you know, like-sized matchups and and really, uh, you know, I think entertaining matchups in the end. This also gives teams an incentive to win and a punishment for losing. Uh, I mean, tanking is not really an issue at the college level at all, obviously, because recruiting is a thing and and players get to choose where they play instead of going for a, a draft order. But this rewards winning like never before. I mean, this shows you that if you win, you get to compete against the best every year. And if you lose, you have to go down. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's pretty fun, at least for fans. I think for a bragging standpoint, that'd be a ton of fun for fans to root for. Um, but, you know, it's I think that that would be really, really entertaining to see. And in the end, uh, TV would win the day in this. It, it offers more playoff games across all leagues, greater stakes. Um, the fans would obviously be a, the huge beneficiaries as well because they get to see all these games take place. But this is one of the main reasons why I think that this actually could have some legs and could be something we go to in the future because TV, in my mind, would be a major, major winner in this. I mean, you tell Fox or NBC or CBS that they get not only one not just one 12-team playoff every year, but you get two, three, four 12-team playoffs every year. I know the viewership for the the League 1 playoff and the League 2 playoff wouldn't be as popular or as as you know viewed as the Champions League or the Premier League, but you're still getting a lot of eyeballs. I think those um you know those bowl games between teams like Maryland and Texas Tech may not be widely viewed, but if there's a playoff game between those two and it decides who either goes to League One or goes up to the Champions League or the the Premier League, I think that's interesting, and a lot of people would tune in to see that. Um, one last pro that I had is that this this system would really give good teams in small markets a chance to thrive. You know, you take your two lanes, your Oregon States, your Minnesotas, teams that may not be too attractive to a big conference because of their size and, you know, their, their national footprint, I guess I should say. Uh, this offers more of a true meritocracy where you can say that, Hey, if you, if you play against the best and you can beat them, then you're going to continue to play with them. You know, Oregon state is a team that has been 
the talk of a lot of a lot of conversations recently because they're kind of getting screwed in this round of conference realignment. Uh, we didn't talk about the Pac-12 at all, but or whatever the Pac-4 is now. But Oregon State and Washington State are being left left behind, um, and you know it's it's pretty unfair because they're good teams. They have great fans. They've got great programs, um, but they're because of their lack of a national footprint, because of the media market they're in, their last their lack of a, a massive fan base. They're not really seen as attractive to some of these big major super conferences in this system with relegation they would have a chance to move up if they keep winning and they would have a chance to, you know, get into the champions league or get into the premier league and actually play with some of the best schools and, and try and beat the best. So I think in the end, that'd be a a huge bonus for them. Now let's move to the cons. Um, There are a lot of reasons I think to say no to this idea. If you're one of the top teams in the nation, for instance, why would Georgia or Alabama say yes to this? Why would Ohio State sign on for this? Because in the current structure of college football, they're, I mean, it's perfect for them. They've got no reason. They should have no desire to change things right now because it works out in their favor every year. They're one of the big dogs. They get, uh, you know, the best recruits every year. We've They've got the most money in the nation as far as any program goes. And they consistently win year in and year out. So, uh, things are pretty great for those schools, those Georgias, those Alabamas, those Ohio States, those Michigans. I don't see a need to change if you're one of them, and they. I don't think they should want to either. So getting them to say yes to this would be pretty tough because if they have a down year, if they slip up one year and finish outside of that top 12, they're not in the Premier League anymore. And uh, they, you know, they can't afford a single bad year because it knocks them down and it would hurt their brand. As things stand right now, you can have you can have a bad year if you're Ohio State and you're still going to get the five star recruits. You're still going to get all of the TV money and nothing's going to change. You can afford to have a bad year or two in this new system of relegation. It would not afford that same thing for them. Um, I think that that would be probably the one of the main reasons that this wouldn't get passed or wouldn't become. Uh, a thing that we go to in the future is because those top teams that already have it all, they don't want to give it up. And I don't really blame them either. If I was an Ohio state fan, I would not like this idea because, or if I was a Georgia fan, I would, would absolutely say no to this because I've got everything I need right now. And I don't, I don't want change. Another roadblock to this would be schools like Maryland or Rutgers or, or like-minded schools like them that, you know, they're not really great teams. They're kind of middling teams in good conferences. I mean, Rutgers is a great example. They won the lottery a few years ago by moving into the Big Ten and having a seat at that table. I mean, you look at the media money that they're they're getting from NBC, CBS, uh, Fox, just the deal that they got by being a part of the Big Ten. It doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter the size, their fan base, how good they recruit, their ratings. Um, anything about them. I mean, they, all due respect to Rutgers, do not belong in the Big Ten. But they got lucky and they got got there as a part of conference realignment, you know, several years ago. And now I, I, they would also vote against this because they have no reason to agree because it would knock them down. Right now, they are already a part of the Premier League because they play in the Big Ten. They've got everything they could ever want. They wouldn't agree to this because it would knock them down to, you know, League One or League Two. Um, you know, it's, it's just something that I can never see happening for them. I, they would never sign off on this. And there's a lot of teams, not just Rutgers like that, that would really just say, Hey, no, this, this puts us in a really tough position. Uh, we like where we're at right now. 
again, there are a lot more pros and cons than just those that I mentioned, but those are, you know, what I came up with for beginners. In the end, I feel like there's a very, very small likelihood of this actually happening, but it feels like we're heading down a path where rethinking the entire shape of college football would be smart. Um, I've said it said it before. I've said it a million times, and I'm not the only one to say this. The current structure is, you know, teetering on a likely collapse. Um, it's not sustainable. Uh, I don't really know how we got here. There's a lot of incompetence from a lot of people, um, and kind of just a lot of, you know, we'll see what happens and and lack of regulations, especially when it comes to the transfer portal and NIL. Um, and now you see it all, everything changing because of conference realignment. So. College football now looks nothing like it did a decade ago or two decades ago, and the the sport is drastically changing, and it's going to continue to change. So um, I think this would be an interesting and entertaining way to solve things. Again, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Would I like to see it? Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for tuning in and following along with the latest news. I'll be back on later this week. I'm trying to get J.D. Pluitt and Shane Potter from the Flock Pod back on. Uh, We're going to go through a fun exercise to preview the 2023 season in the Pac-12, which is actually only a couple of weeks away now. Um, I think I checked today. There's, I believe there's 19 days left until Oregon's first game. Uh, That's as I'm recording this on Monday. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys later this week. Until then, take it easy.